0: Well, I prayed and I asked him to speak to people's hearts. I think he's already started. I want you to take your Bibles. I want you to turn with me to the book of Luke chapter 11, Matthew, Mark, Luke in the New Testament. Why are you turning? Uh, let me say, this is one of the things we're really big on around here is the Operation Christmas Child shoe boxes. I love them things. They've already started. We've been packing. I think we did several thousand boxes this week here. You saw the trailers you came in. It'll be loaded to the gills and uh, you need to if you're going to be packing we got to get it done uh this is i think some of the greatest works of god in the earth today 12 million children will receive shoe boxes that are being picked up right now and uh, ours will be shipped to charlotte to the distribution center there and before they're shipped they'll be opened and on top of whatever you put in there they're going to put a little booklet in there and it's going to be a little booklet written in the child's language whatever country it's going to And it'll be in sort of cartoon form. And it's the greatest gift ever given. And it's the story of Jesus and his great love for children. And they'll hear about Jesus. We don't just give out the boxes. They have parties and they invite these children to parties, all 12 million of them. And they'll get them together. They'll feed them. They'll sing with them. And then they'll tell them all about Jesus and his love for children, how they need Jesus, give them the boxes. And then those that want to can come back for six weeks to be taught about Jesus and discipled. It's one of the, it's probably the greatest evangelistic tool in the world today. And so I want you to be a part of that. We, uh, when our kids were just knee high, we would, my, we, my I did my wife, she'd collect stuff all year with them. And then one night out of the year, we'd have our big packing party. And we still, boys, y'all got my pictures, put them up there. We still, uh, to this day, we still have our packing parties. I even let the son-in-laws come. We have our packing parties and we just have a grand time up there and enjoy it. And, and it's just a great blessing. Can't wait to get to heaven and meet kids who will be adults who will say, I came to Jesus because you put a few dollars in a shoebox and it's a great time. We're looking so forward to that. It's going to be wonderful. All right. Today we're talking about life's greatest battle. Greatest battle you'll ever face in your life. What would you say it was? Your, your greatest battle is not with your mate. It's not with your parents, not with your children. Your greatest battle is not with Republicans or Democrats. Listen to me. Your greatest battle is not even with the devil. That was pretty much decided years ago. Your greatest battle is always going to be right here. This will be the greatest battle of your life every day of your life. Not my will, thy will. The greatest battle of your life is not going to be between good and bad. It's going to be between my will versus his will. That'll always be the struggle of your life. Even if you're a good person, the greatest wrestling match you're ever going to have is is to look up and say, not my will, your will be done. Jesus told you and I in this prayer, and this is the simplest prayer. He said for us to pray it, but at at the the crux, the, the, the crucial crossing point of this prayer are these words, thy will be done. The rest of this prayer is easy. Listen to this part. Deliver me from the evil one. Who wouldn't want that? Who wouldn't want almighty God to put his hand around you and your family and your finances and your health and say to the devil in hell, you're not touching them. Who wouldn't want that? Uh, How about this part right here? Give us this day our daily bread. How many of you would like for almighty God to give you financial security for the rest of your life? Who wouldn't want that? That's the easy, all the rest of it's easy. But that part about Thy will be done. That's the catching point. That's the hard part right there. Let me point something out. Uh, I'm, gonna, I'm gonna just make a statement here, and I want you to see what you think about it. In this prayer, look with me in verse 2. Jesus said to them, When you pray, say this to me. Did the Bible just tell me and you to pray this prayer? He said, When you pray, say this. But i right, I'm gonna leave. I want you to I'm gonna give you two observations here. Number one, if the Son of God, God Almighty, told me to pray this prayer, one of two things is either going to happen. Either he will answer it or he is one cruel deity. This is one cruel joke for him to look at me and say, ask me to do this for you. And him knowing he's not going to do it. Which one do you think it is? He is good. The God of heaven doesn't play games with people. When he asks you to say something to him, When he tells you, ask me for this and I'll do it, he means what he says. And you don't ever have to worry about him not telling the truth. All right, let's read the part that's sort of tough. You ready? Let's continue that verse. Our Father in heaven, praise your name. Your kingdom come, watch these words. Four words, your will be done. Your will be done. All right, biggest struggle of your life. We're gonna talk for just a minute about his will, my will, and free will. His will, my will, free will. And uh, I want you to just listen to what the Bible says here. Number one, His will. How many of you believe, uh, and I could support it in Scripture, how many of you believe that God has a will? Are we, y'all, you be, I mean, we can't go any further until we settle that. You're going to ruin my sermon if that's not true. How many of you believe God has a will? I mean, why would He say, Thy will be done if He didn't have one? I, I, do you think it's that God has a general will for all of humanity? Or do you think that He's got a will for you and you and you? What do y'all think? Let me support it a little bit here. Uh, let me just don't, we're not going to look them up, not take the time. I just want to quote them. Ephesians 2.10 says this, we are the creation of God's hand. We are the creation of God's hand, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should live our lives in them. Can you not see from that verse that He created me with a plan? How about that? People love to quote this one, Jeremiah 29, 11. I know the plans I have for humanity. Is that what it says? No. I know the plans I have for you. Plans for good, not for evil, to give you future and hope. I could, I could quote many scriptures, but I think you've got this one. He has, he, all right, let me, let me just put it in a language you can understand. He wants to be all up in your business. He wants to tell me who to relate to. He wants to tell me how to think. He wants to tell me how to live. He wants to, he wants to set my attitudes. He wants to run my life. That's called His will. Got it? All right, so we've settled that He's got a will. All right, I want us to look at two more things about His will. Number one, what about His track record concerning His will? Is His track record good or bad? I knew he was going to say, good. What else are you going to say in church? But what if you went through the scriptures and just said, let me look in the Bible at the people who said to him, I mean it. Run the show. What do you find? Well, what's the first thing you'd find? You would find a man living with the woman that he loved in the most beautiful garden. No problems. No division. No foolishness. Being very successful, I'd say, good. There was no problem whatsoever until Genesis 3 when they made a decision. Here's what they said: "You're not going to tell us how to live anymore. We'll do it our way." They changed from his will to their will, and what do we have? All right? Here's a man. He's, a, he's just an average guy. He's living in a place called Air of the Chaldees, and God comes to him and he says, "Can I run everything?" And for some reason, the man said, you can run everything. He said, pack up, leave your family, leave everything. Go to where I tell you to go. I will make of you a great nation. And he made that man filthy rich. He built an entire nation. He gave him the absolute desires of his heart. His name was Abraham. I'm just going to pick a few. He comes to a little fella who was uh, by any standard of measure, he's what we'd call a loser today. His own daddy said to him, you'll never amount to anything. His brothers mocked him as a nobody. But God met him one evening on a hillside. And he said to this little fella, if you'll let me run everything. They were religious people already, but he said, no, if you'll let me run everything, I'll make your life good. And sitting on that hillside that night, that young teenage boy said this, the Lord is my shepherd. He leads me. You can run everything. And he took that little nobody, that that outcast and he made him the greatest king that ever lived, the greatest musician that's ever lived, and the greatest military commander that's ever lived in world history. We know God did it because as an old man, we have a prayer recorded that he went in the temple and prayed. Listen to what he said. Who am I and what is my house that you have brought me this far? So we know who did it. I, I could go all through the scriptures and show you people that I'm not talking about Christians. I'm not talking about want to go to heaven. Who doesn't? Where else you going to go? I'm not talking about people who go to church. I'm talking about people who say your will. There was a redneck commercial fisherman one day that Jesus came up to him and he said, let me run everything. I get to make every decision in your life. Yes or no, you choose. And on that day, he said, from this day forward, you will make every decision in my life. At the time, his business was failing. Immediately, his business was turned around by God. Everybody knew it was God. And that ignorant, uneducated, that's what the Bible called him, ignorant, uneducated, redneck fisherman who was buried 2,000 years ago, we're still talking about him today. This morning, the Pope will preach from a place called St. Peter's Basilica. That ignorant, uneducated fisherman wrote two chapters in the world's all-time greatest, number one best selling book. Guess who did that to him? What what is the track record of God all through the Bible for people who say, I mean it, your will. It's good. All right, let's shift gears here. What about you? What does the Bible say about your will about you and your plan, about his will for you? What does it say about you? What is it what do you call it in the Bible when God says things about you? What are those called? Promises. All right, let me just pick a few. I'm going to just pick a few and throw them out here for you. Now, this is, this is applying to you from Scripture. Um, number one, let me go back and say that. Let me read it again. He said, Jesus said this, when you pray, say this to me. Your kingdom come, your will be done. What would it, What does kingdom come mean? What's kingdom mean? It has nothing to do with religion. Let me just quote it to you from Scripture, Romans 14, 17. The kingdom of God in my life is not what I eat and drink. Right. It's righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. Yeah. If His kingdom comes in my life, then His Spirit's going to start working in my life. You know what righteousness means? I remember as a kid going to church and the old ladies talked about righteous. <laughs> Scare me to death. And then I remembered, righteous, righteous, righteous brothers. You never close your... Y'all, oh, y'all, I forgot, y'all so young. Right? What is righteous? This, it's not hard. Listen to what the Bible says. Right. Righteous means right. It means the Spirit of God comes into your heart and begins to make things right. The hatred, the bitterness, the strife, that's not right. He gets it out. And what's left behind when he comes in? After he makes things right, what do you have then? peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. Can I ask you a question? Yes or no? You said, no, I, I don't want any peace in my life. I like being tore up and afraid all the time. Uh-uh, don't bring no peace to me. I like things being all screwed up. I like being bitter and hateful and angry. And I don't want any joy in my life either. I like being miserable. Leave me alone. You done fell out of idiot tree and hit your head on every limb on the way down. You're nuts. Who could be against Thy kingdom come. Make it right in here. Let there be peace on the inside for a change. Bring your joy in here. Who could be against that? Let me me quote a few more. 3 John 2. Listen to God. I wish in all things that you would prosper and be in health just like your soul prospers. You against that? Um, Malachi chapter 3. Do what I ask you to do. I will open the windows of heaven. I will pour you out such a financial blessing, there will not be room enough to receive it. And I will rebuke the devourer and I will make sure that what I give you never gets taken away from you. You against financial security for the rest of your life? That's the will of God. On and on, we could go in Scripture. uh, Luke chapter 15. Just turn your heart. I don't care what you've done. Just turn your heart toward me and say, You're the boss. I will bless you financially. I'll bring you into my presence and those who criticize you, I will shut their mouths. You don't even open your mouth. I'll talk to them. You know, when you've got a guy that big on your side, I, I just can't find anything in this Bible. I could go on and on. I'm going to do one more. Blessed is the man who will listen to what I say. who will be like a tree planted beside the river and good things will keep happening in his life at the right time. He will not fall apart, and whatever he does will succeed. You against that? I can't find anything in this book that is the will of God that I don't want. I just think I just here's the bottom line. I think His will is good. All right, now let me go a little further here about His will. When I was young, I hated religion. I was not religious. I was a criminal when I was a teenager. I was arrested the first time when I was 14. The second time, well, other times, I was arrested at 17 for attempted murder. I was just a bad kid. And I I didn't want anything to do with God because I didn't know Him. Plus, I thought, you know, if you follow God, you'll be like them people at church. I mean, I didn't, that church wasn't like this one. And uh, I just, they they were mean, they were crabby, they were mad, they were boring. God, they were boring. I'm listening to Led Zeppelin, they're listening to an organ. I know none of them ever kissed. All their children had to be adopted. I don't know what they did. And I just thought, I don't, I'm not giving up what I got for that. I didn't understand. I thought the will of God would rip you off. I thought the will of God would take the fun out of life. I thought the will of God would be, would steal from me. Well, I'll tell you, religion will steal from you. Religion will rip you off. I'm going to read a few. Uh, these are some of my favorite verses about the will of God. See if you can relate. Just let me just read them. We won't look them up. I delight to do your will. Your plans are the very desire of my heart. What if you followed his will and it turned out to be everything you were looking for? Let me do another one. I will put my plans in their mind and write them on their hearts so that they love my will above everything in life. Wouldn't that be cool? Listen to this one. A lot of folks don't believe this one, but look right there. Well, it's right here. Listen to this one. Delight yourself in the Lord. He will give you the desires of your heart. Why are we seeing such dissatisfied people in the land today? All right, I'm gonna throw one more in here. My food, what thrills me is to do the will of God. You'll have no greater joy than when you find the will of God in your life. All right, that's the will of God. That, that's, there it is. Um, the great deception to this day. What's the first lie ever told? What first lie ever told in world history? Remember? You'd have to go back to the first of the book to read it. Everything's going great in that garden, and an unholy being came in that garden. Listen to what he said You can do better for you than God can. That's the first lie I ever told. Don't let God tell you how to run your life. You run it, because you can do better for you than He can. Can I ask you a question? And how's that been doing us for the last 6,000 years? Everything was perfect. They were naked, not ashamed, no put on, no arguments. Uh, Everything was wonderful. And the day they changed, on the first day they changed, they begin to fight with each other. The man began to criticize his wife. What did their kids do to each other? Kill each other. I got a feeling this my will be done ain't working out quite as good as we thought it would. All right, <clears throat> to this day, it's the greatest lie ever told. Number two, a little quicker now. You got, got his will, all right? I've got my will, I've got a will. How many of y'all got a will? Everybody's got a will. All right. uh, Have you ever heard this phrase right here? Strong-willed child. You ever heard of a strong-willed child? If you've had more than two, you know what one is. I had three. We had three children. I had one who was strong-willed. The problem with that was I'm strong-willed too. I'm going to break you from sucking eggs. (laughs) Strong-willed child means adamant and you're going to have it my way. And we've all heard of strong-willed children, but I'm going to tell you what the Bible says. The Bible says... Every human being ever born is a strong-willed child. Everybody is a strong-willed child. Uh, The scripture says this in the book of Isaiah, uh, chapter 53. Uh, All we like sheep have gone astray. Every man has turned to his own way. I'm going to do it my way. I'm going to say it again. It's not between good and bad not about good or bad most of you in church this morning you're probably not thinking about robbing an old lady this afternoon you're probably not gonna use crack today hope not if you do wait till later if you're in church it's not about good or bad anymore it's that's not the issue it's my will versus your will it can still be good versus his will and see i got my will i'm gonna do it my way uh Mind that again. Now, now let me tell you why. Let me tell you the, you say, what's wrong with my will? Put your, put your fangs back in. Let me tell you three things about your will. There is a problem with your will. I'm going to tell you three things about your will, doing it your way. Number one, you can't see, but so far out there. The problem with your will is you don't know what tomorrow holds. Have you ever known anybody that did something and made a decision. Because our life is the sum total of our decisions. And you make a thousand decisions every day. Some just affect lunch. Some affect eternity. We all make decisions. Have you ever known anybody that made a decision. And they thought it was right. Guy down the road turned out they wished they hadn't made it. You ever known anybody like that? Like a cousin? We can't see down the road. That's the problem of me trying to drive the boat. It's dark out there. I want you to think about this verse right here. Proverbs 14, 12. Listen to this. See if you agree with God. There is a way that looks right to a man, but the end result is destruction. Things can look so good to me and you. And then we get down the road and go, what in the hell have I got into here? And that's exactly where it came from. I've asked many a, a girl, a few men, many a girl, why did you marry this bozo? I just... I'm gonna talk like I love them. Why'd you marry this bozo? Guess what? Every one of them told me. I was drunk. No, that'd be Nicholas Gage. But the rest of us, we don't do that. You know, after about five or six marriages, it don't matter no more. But you know what? Every one of them told me? Every one of them told me this. It looked so good. Go ahead and finish it to start with. Well, see, the problem of me making my own decisions is I can't see down the road. The unknown future. Number two, the problem of my will, the problem of my will is my limited ability. Suppose I do want a great life. Suppose I want a great family. Suppose I want to contribute to humanity and be a good person. There's just really not much I can do. I'm pretty limited. My circumstances can knock me for a loop. Other people can get involved in there and screw it up. My ability to produce a great life, a great family, help humanity, pretty limited. I do the best I can. It's pretty limited. What if I had somebody who had no limits running the show? But see, if I'm running the show, I'm a limited person. And I hate to tell you this, as much as you think you're unlimited, you're pretty limited too. It's just not much. You you can't even get the dog shut up. Number three, the problem is with me running the show is what's, what's another word in the Bible for my way, my will? What's another word for it? Here's another biblical word for it. Broad road. I'm gonna quote the whole verse to you. The, there's a broad road that leads to destruction and there are many people on it. But Nara is the road that leads to a great life that not many people choose to get on this road. That is a road about human wills versus God's will. What's the name of my will? It's called broad road. Broad road. And uh, can I ask you a simple question? People are really pretty smart. I know we think they're dumb. People are pretty smart, really. <clears throat> Why are you on a broad road that leads to destruction? There can only be one reason. I've never known any, listen to me. I've never known anybody who said, Brother Brian, I hope my life sucks. I hope it's miserable, I hope I fail, I hope I lose my job, I hope I go broke, I hope everybody hates me and I you know, I just hope I sit around listening to Jerry Springer reruns all day long. I hope my life sucks. Nobody's ever said that to me. Every person I've ever met is wanting a good life and a good family. So why would you be on a broad road that leads to destruction if you want good? Can't be but one answer. You didn't know where that road was taking you to. You thought it was the right road. That's one of the most amazing verses in the Bible. And it is true that the broad road that leads to failure, defeat, not just in eternity, in this life, why are so many people on it? They don't know where that road goes to. And and that, that verse tells me this. It's not about good, bad, right, wrong. It is about who is going to drive my boat. How many people have I met, whether it's a family, a business, whatever, who will, they'll tell you this. I'd rather this thing, I'd rather burn it to the ground with me in charge than to let somebody else run it and it do well. That's the mystery of human will. I'll tell you, we're a strong willed bunch of people. It's, It's crazy. All right, number three, last of all, You got God's will, you got my will, and then you got something called free will. You ever heard of free will? All right, you need to know this from Scripture. God Almighty will always honor your will. Now that other guy won't. He don't care what you want. But God Almighty will always honor your will. And if you don't want him to be good to you, he can't do it. He always respects human will. You understand this. Uh, How many parents have I sat with through the years that would have a child? I'm not talking about a three-year-old. You can make them go to the room. But when they get up, 17, 18, 19, they'll stick it in your ear. You ain't gonna tell them what to do. They'll pack up and leave. And how many parents have I sat with through the years, my 40 years of this, who have had a child that blew their lives up? I mean, I've had some of them... Some of the smartest, most beautiful girls run off with a pure idiot and just ruin their lives. I've had some of the smartest men just do some of the dumbest things and, and their parents couldn't stop them. You understand this? I don't care how much you love your children. I don't care what you would do for them. They have a free will of their own. They can do what they want to do. Break your heart, but they'll go do what they want to do. Do you understand that God Almighty gives every person a free will? I don't have to let him run my life if I don't want to. He can love me, care for me, plan things for me. But if I choose to drive the ship, it's going where I take it, not where he wants it to. You understand this. It's called free will. And uh, it's one of the great battles of humanity. I want you to see that in scripture. Turn with me to Psalm 81, where it talks about the pain in life of a free will. Psalm 81 is a great passage this is, this is in the Bible where we uh, was, have you ever heard this? It's always about the heart. Everything is about the heart. Well, not just with me and you with God himself, it's about the heart. I want you to listen to the heart of God in Psalm 81. I, I think this is one of those places where he opens his heart to humanity so you can really see what's on his heart. But you're going to see I've heard people say, well, there's, there's nothing God can't do. Oh, yes, There is. There's a lot of things he can't do. Do you really think this planet would be in the shape it's in if he had his way? Really? There's a lot of things he can't do. And you're fixing to see one of them here. Psalm 81, listen to the heart of God. Verse 13. Oh, pause right here. Anytime you see that word, oh, in the Bible, you got to remember this. that, that, That means great emotion. Somebody's very emotional speaking here and God is speaking here. Oh, that my people would do what? Listen to me. That Israel would what? Walk in What? My way. Oh, can you hear? God says, if you just do it my way, if you just listen to me. All right, look at what it says here. Verse 13, I would soon subdue their enemies. I would turn my hand against their adversaries. I would crush their enemies. I would defend them. Look in verse 16. He would have fed them also with the finest of wheat. With honey from the rock, I would have satisfied you. Now, you know good and well in the Bible, he's not talking about whole wheat bread and honey to put on it. You know that. What does wheat always represent in the Bible? Strength. A great life, strength. What's honey always represent in the Bible? A joy and a sweetness of life. I want to listen what he said right there. If my people would just do it my way, I would crush their enemies. I would strengthen them. I would bless them. I would give them the greatest, most enjoyable life if they just listened to me. You hear him? But now watch this. Verse 11. But my people would not listen to me. Israel would have none of me so I gave them over to their own stubborn heart to walk in their own way. What do you hear right there? As much as I want to be good to me to you, I can't do it until you let me take over. But the day you let me take over, I will put your enemies under your feet. I will strengthen your life and I'll give you a life as sweet as honey. But if you say no to me and you, if you say not, not thy will, my will be done. I'll have to give you over to what you want and I'll have to let you run your own life. And uh, just from experience, I'm going to tell you something, you don't want that. All right, let me quit by saying this. Everybody in this room wants an abundant life. I've never met a person who wants a terrible life. Dear ones, if we're so smart in this nation, when you understand right now, we are the best educated generation in world history in America right now. We've never had people as well educated as we are in this nation right now. Why are lives so screwed up? Why is our nation in such a mess if we're so smart? It's not how smart you are. I know people with PhDs whose lives are a train wreck. It's not how smart you are. It's not how rich you are. We're the richest nation on earth by times three. The next three countries didn't make as much money last year put together as we did. We got plenty of money in this land. That's not it. An abundant life comes from doing this. Honestly evaluating what this man says and making a decision. Will I let him run it or am I going to run it? Bottom line. That's the only issue. Going to church is not the issue. A lot of people go to church and don't let God run their lives. Being good is not the issue. My dog is good. You you run it is the issue. Your will be done. That is the last hurdle that every person's got to conquer before a great life shows up. Thy will be done. All right, now I'm going to say it one more time. I know you're getting tired of me saying it, but the method is staying out yet, so we ain't getting out yet. It's not bad or good. It's not bad or good. Most of you are not going to go out and blow the train up this afternoon. It's my good versus his best. It's my good versus his best. All right, I'm going to tell it again. If you're tired of hearing my toaster story, I'm sorry, you're fixing to hear it again. Some folks have never heard it. As a boy, I used to watch TV with my grandma. My grandma loved championship wrestling because it started in Charlotte where we were raised. And she loved Let's Make a Deal with Monty Hall. We'd watch Let's Make a Deal. Yo, you younger folks don't know what I'm talking about. But there's this guy, he had a daytime show and he'd walk around, he'd make deals with people. And as he'd make these deals, they'd, you know, they'd make deals or they'd miss it or they'd get it and he'd offer them something. And uh, I'm watching one day with Monty Hall. My grandma was sitting there. He's walking, he walks to a lady and she was sort of country and he said to her, he said, well, I've got a new toaster. Now you I know toasters don't mean nothing to you now. This is 1960s doc, this is before all Americans were rich. Toaster meant something back then. He had a brand new shiny toaster and he said to this lady, I'll tell you what I'll do. I'll give you this new toaster if you can find me a comb in your pocketbook. I'll trade you this toaster for a comb. She jumped in there. I mean, she went after that thing like white on rice and she got in there. She came up with a comb and he traded her that toaster and she was, she was as happy, she was thrilled because apparently she loved toasting. She didn't got her toaster. And they handed it to her right there. She sat down, she's holding that toaster. So he goes on and makes deals. All right, second half of the show, he comes back around and makes deals with folks, again, that he's already made deals with. So he comes back to this lady. He says, I'll tell you what I'll do. I'll trade you that toaster you got for what's behind that curtain right over there, curtain number three. But he don't show you. You, that's why it's called let's make a deal. He won't show you and she had to make a decision. Do I want to keep my toaster? Or do I want to find that curtain? I remember listen to me toasters are not bad Sorry. Me and you don't people eat toaster I reckon. Toasters are not bad back then that was a big deal to have a toaster You got to remember mr. Lincoln was in the White House this long back when I was young <laughs> A Toaster was a big deal. She got her toaster. Well, she got to decide she didn't have to give up nothing bad she had to give up something good to get what he was offering. Got it? And uh, so she, I'm, he gives her a little bit of time and I watch, her, I watch him knuckles tight. I watched her knuckles go white on that toaster. I said, she's not going to do it, Grandma. Grandma said, shut up and listen. <laughs> and I knew, I knew she wasn't going to do it. And he said, I'll give you another chance. She said, no. He said, all right. He said, show her what's behind the curtain. They pulled the curtain back and it was a Buick automobile. And you know, it's sitting on that turntable and they got it turning real slow and the lights on it and That guy's going, I need your car and all that stuff. And he's yabbering about that car. And then all of a sudden the camera turns back on her and her attitude toward that toaster has changed completely. (laughs) And she's realized I'm an idiot. I'm an idiot. I maybe know there's nothing wrong with toasters but on your own, any given day of the year, Buick beats toaster by a mile and a half. Are you with me? Another, it's not about good or bad. It's not about drugs or going to church. It's about the best I can do versus the best he can do. And you cling to your little life of, I'm gonna do what I wanna do. It's not bad, I wanna do what I wanna do. I'm telling you, the man says, hand it to me. Give me your will and everything in all your ways, acknowledge me. Let me tell you what to do. And you're going to lose something. Listen, if you do God's will, you're going to lose something. You're going to lose the best you could do. But you've got to decide, is this man good? Can I trust him? What he's got behind... And by the way, you do not get to look behind the curtain till you hand the toaster over. Charles Stanley said this, the number one question I've been asked all my life as a minister is how do I find the will of God? I'm going to answer that for you. You know how you find the will of God for your life? Be willing to do it. Quit looking for what to do. You just work about whether I want to do it or not. Listen to what the Bible said in John 17, 7. Excuse me, 7, 17. Listen to this. If any man will do my will, I will make sure he finds out what it is. Proverbs chapter 3. In all your ways, acknowledge him. And then he'll tell you what to do. When When you sign the blank check, he'll fill it in. You find the will of God by saying, let me do it. All right, so that poor lady, she went home that afternoon and she ate, ate toast. Back to my toaster tour. She ate toast. And uh, while she thought about it, I could have been driving around in that Buick impressing my grandma, my neighbors. That ain't gonna happen. And that's one of the greatest pictures of thy will be done. How many people have I known that if you ask them for money, they'd give it to you. If if you ask them, would you quit beating your wife? They'd do it. But that sticking point with people, the one thing people struggle with the most is, Am I really gonna say to him, Thy will be done? I have a situation that comes up tomorrow at work. Possible conflict. How am I gonna handle this? Am I gonna do what I feel like doing? Am I going to do what I think gets me out of trouble? Or am I going to humble my heart in that moment and say, what do you want me to do? And mean it. All right, let me tell you what. Let me tell you what will happen. You make up your mind, you're going to pray one simple prayer for the rest of your life. Our Father, which art in heaven, thy will be done. And you pray that every day of your life and you mean it. You pray it in every moment. And you'll reach a place down the road. You know how you find the will of God? Not by looking out there. You find the will of God by looking back there. You find the will of God by doing what the man says and then you get to the point where I am in life. After doing this for years, you look back and say, my goodness, that man tells the truth. That man is good to me. I should have been in prison years ago. I should have been in a grave. I think I was 16 years old one night surrounded by half a dozen policemen. I'm laying in a little ditch. I tried to break into somewhere. I'm laying in a little ditch. I got a 25 caliber pistol in my hand, 16 year old. I'm gonna fight it out with six policemen. Talk about hitting your head on every limb on the way down. Why am I even alive today? But they reached a place in my life at 18 years old where he came to me and he said, no more religion. i would never been religious anyway. I hated church. And he said to me, follow me. From now on, let me run your life. I've made mistakes. I've failed. But at the core of my being has always been this thing. You tell me what to say and I'll say it. You, can, you, got, the, you got the checkbook here. And I'm telling you, God has blessed the fire out of me because of that one simple prayer. I don't quit by telling you another story I've told before. So you know, I'm quitting. I'm closing stuff up here, so it means we're close. The Methodists are getting all your white meat. I've got to get you out directly. There's just this thing that if I let him run my life, it won't be as good as I can do it. That's a, that's a lie. That's just a lie. All right, I got saved, and I decided, well, you can't be a criminal anymore. 18 years old, so I decided to be a highway patrolman. i drive fast, tear cars up, somebody else pays for them. I can fight, it's legal. I thought that'd be a pretty good life. My personality's geared toward that anyway. And God called me to be a preacher. That was a struggle, because trading that gray uniform with that nice, that's back when they carried real pistols. They had no black plastic things like it do. now. had real pistols back in, chrome. And I see me in that uniform. Then I see me in this picture. I see me sitting around a table with about six crabby old women fighting over fruit salad at a missionary meeting. I started reaching that picture and said, hand me that pistol right there. I didn't want to be a preacher because I thought it would be miserable. I learned you don't have to preach like the rest of them preach. You can be a preacher like God says to and enjoy your life. Right, I had to go to college to be a preacher. 20 years old. And I reached the point where I realized <clears throat> you can't date for the rest of your life. You can't keep dating different women for the rest of your life. If you can be a preacher, you've got to have a wife. Preacher, preacher's wife, preacher's dog, preacher's children, found them in the pulpit. Whatever, and I knew I needed a wife. So this really, now don't laugh at me. This really created a problem for me because I, I, I became a believer back in the 70s when they preached, "You have to obey God, you have to say Thy will be done and mean it." See, that's not Christianity today. Today it's funky Christian music. Back then you had to do what the man said. And I knew I should pray, Thy will, because I've been taught, ask God who He wants you to marry. Pray for God to give you a wife. And I thought, I don't want to ask Him. I don't want Him picking out a wife for me. i pick out my own wife. Because I'd met preachers' wives. And I thought, I don't want to be married to some hateful woman who's got a hair up in a beehive and wearing old big, thick glasses and sits around and plays the an organ all the time. And if we ever have children, we'll have to adopt them. They don't kiss or nothing. I don't want no mean old prime. They were all crabby, mean. Just fuss about your rock music. I would rather be single. I'd rather go Catholic and just stay single. I wanted a real woman. I mean, I wanted a good-looking woman that laughed and, you know, liked rock music and loved Jesus, but normal. Are you with me? Am I, you with me here? Normal. I wanted a normal woman, but I knew if you ask him and he shows you you got to marry, you're in trouble then, because once he said it, you got to do it. And uh, it's really I'm I'm being cute, but I've just created a problem. I'm just 20 years old. I've been believing but two years, and I'm I'm torn on this wife thing. Because you know I thought, well, I can get me a good woman that I can enjoy, or he'll pick her out, and me and Attila the Hun will spend the rest of our lives together. (laughs) Battle axe. That is sick religious thinking. You say, well, what happened to you, preacher? I got the one I wanted. Guess which one happened to me? I got a good looking woman. She don't play the organ. I could just see me in my living room, just great big organ. I'm trying to watch a ball game. She's over playing, let us be moved. She's over playing the organ. She don't play an organ. She didn't even like. My wife don't even like organ music. She likes the kind of music I do. And kiss, she's a kissing machine. The Bible, uh, Song of Solomon. let him kiss me with the kisses of his mouth. Some of my favorite verses, I put it on the refrigerator. Uh, she's, she's, she's everything I ever longed for. Are you with me? She's great. You say, oh, so you got your will. God got his will too. It turned out I found out he wasn't as religious as I thought he was. It turned out that if I would delight myself in the Lord, he would give me the desires of my heart. And one of the greatest discoveries of my life is You think you can do better than he can? That ain't happening, doc. And so from then on, I just decided you've done good on the woman thing. From now on. All right, I got one more story and then I'm done. I keep waiting for the methods to clear out. All right, one more story and I'm done. Let me tell you how you know you know God. Here's your test, see if you know God. If you have the least bit of hesitancy about you when it comes to his will be done, you don't know him. If you would dare, substitute, if you'd rather have your way than his way, you don't know the man. I'm not being critical or unkind. You just ain't, you haven't met him yet. I'll give you an example. I'm 15 years old. Love championship wrestling. Me and Grandma watched it. It started in Charlotte. And there was a famous wrestler named Johnny Weaver. He was part of a tag team. Uh, George Becker and Johnny Weaver we had the mask bolos back then. And uh, my best buddy, he lived about a mile and a half from my house in an apartment complex with his mom. His daddy dad young. It was just them two. He's 17. I'm 15 at the time. And um, Johnny, J- Johnny Weaver lived in the apartment complex about two, three doors down from him. Well, he's a superstar in Charlotte. And so we're out there one afternoon at his house. We had an old Volkswagen Bug. This would be 1973. I had a old Volkswagen Bug. We're washing that Volkswagen. And Mr. Weaver came pulling in his car. And as he got out of the car, he started walking toward the apartment and he just, over his shoulder, he said, you boys wash my car when you get done. So he went on his apartment. Well, we got done. I said, let's go wash his car. You know, we get to tell people we washed his car. So we went over and washed his car real good and got done, went in the house. I forget what we did. Came out the next morning about 10 o'clock and in the steering wheel of that Volkswagen bug, it had holes in the spokes in the steering wheel. A $10 bill had been rolled up stuck in that hole. And Mr. Weaver put that $10 bill in there because we'd washed his car. Now $10 don't sound much like you today. It's 1973. Two teenage boys could buy enough beer to drink all day, lunch at McDonald's and all the tokens you could get at the video game parlor. $10. I mean, that's a day's... That's Disney World for teenagers back then. And he... I mean, it was worth about a dollar and a half. Minimum wage was sixty back then. He'd given us $10 for washing that car. We had a big time that day. I got back in about 8 o'clock that night. It was summertime. As soon as we parked in front of his apartment, I got out of the car. I made a beeline for Mr. Weaver's door. Knocked on his door. He came to the door. I said, thank, thank you for the... Well, thank you for paying us for washing your car. You didn't... He said, well, you boys did a good job. I said... <clears throat> got anything else you need doing? <laughs> does your, car, does your, your house need vacuuming? Can I carry your trash out for you? You mean to wash your windows? He said, no, no, son, I, I got everything I need. But if I, I said, well, listen, The good I said, don't forget, if you need something, you call me. He said, that is so nice of you. You're such a humble young man to want to help that fella. Ain't nothing humble about it. I find out what he pays. <laughs> Any man pay me about 10 times what it's worth, I'm going to ask him, you got something I can do? Hardest struggle of my life when I first became a believer was to say, fine, fine, your will be done. I don't want my children to be stunted and I don't want to go to hell. Your will be done. (laughs) And then I found what that man does for people who mean business with him. I get up every morning and I look up and I say, got anything you want me to do today? I beg him to tell me what to do now. Because I found out what he does for people who look up and say, "Thy will be done. You, you will never trade down with the one who created the sunset. You will always trade up with him. All right, here it is. Last word. Life just boils down to one simple prayer. We've made this thing so complicated. I have a degree in religion. I've been doing this 40 years and I listen to these people talk and they make my head hurt. These Christians today, they make my head hurt with all their deep mess. Listen to me. You get up every day of your life and from your heart... You mean it, you say, our Father which art in heaven, your will be done today. In my attitudes, in the way I treat people, in my decisions, you're the boss. And you mean that. And if God doesn't make your life wonderful, you come back and you tell me, I'm quitting. I've never known a person who got straight with him on that level and within no time at all, they say, this is the best deal I ever made. You're not gonna do no better than he can. Lord Jesus, I want to pray now for the people here. Lord, I've had people say to me, well, so-and-so is a great Christian. Their life's a mess. I don't, I don't know what that means. I just know this. There comes a place where we have to say, not my will, but thine be done. I want to pray for every person in here. As I love that song. It says, are you broken and hurting within? Just come to the altar. Lord Jesus, the altar is not the place where we get help. It's the place where we bow our knee and we bow our wills. Dear Father, this issue of the human will is always the big issue. It's always my will versus your will. I I just want to grab these people and say to them, do what the man says. Not because it's the right thing to do, although it is, but because it's the best thing to do. Your word doesn't say it is right to trust in the Lord. It said it is better to trust in the Lord. Lord Jesus, there's some folks sitting in here today I know that they have banged their head over and over. They're good people. They mean well. Surely there's going to come a day when they're going to have to ask, why do I keep hitting my head on this door? I just pray for the humility of God and every person in here's life. That best as they know how, in every decision, every day, they just say, I surrender. I, I, my will is on the altar. Thy will be done. I've, I've never known anybody do that. You didn't just say, hallelujah from heaven and bless the fire up. I want to praise and thank you for your word. If my people would just listen to me and do it my way, I would crush their enemies. I'd feed them with the finest of wheat. I'd make their lives so sweet with honey from the rock, I would satisfy them. I pray for every person in here at heart level not to try something today, but to make a decision for the rest of their lives. I'm going to get in a trunk and lock it. He's going to drive from now. I know what you do for people like that. I want to give you the praise and glory for your goodness. And I thank you that at the the bottom line of bottom line of everything is that the Lord is good. I want people to know that. I pray for grace for everybody to do that. I trust you and praise you. Thank you for your spirit and for your presence. What do you want us to do? What do you want me to do? And now, Father, having prayed for them, I want to pray for myself. I, in everything I think, everything I do, every decision I make, you you know I am prone to wonder, Lord, I feel it. (laughs) Honest, naked before you, you know how I have a strong will. You know how. You know how I still kick against the pricks. In Jesus' name, thy will be done. I'm not that noble. I just know who you are and how you are. I want to see the best you could do In this life. I pray for everybody else to want that too. I trust you for that. Let Jesus be glorified. In his precious name we pray. Amen.